0: He, <laughs> Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim.
1: I'm Joshua. And we love mysterious old-time radio stories. But do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Keep an eye on the clock this week because we
2: are listening to an episode of Murder at Midnight. The series first aired on September 16, 1946, and a total of 50 episodes were created for the show's run. Shows were directed by Anton Leder, and the chilling introduction to each episode was provided by Raymond Morgan.
1: One of the most notable things about the series was the radio network that created it, a company that had just christened itself the American Broadcasting Company, or ABC. As described on DigitalDelhi.com, ABC had been a company known as the Blue Network, which had been part of the NBC Red and Blue Networks. The FCC felt that two national networks made NBC too influential, and the company divided itself into two separate entities. When the FCC mandated the two entities be completely separate, the Red Network simply became NBC.
0: NBC Blue was bought by Edward J. Noble, the highly successful owner of the Rexall drugstore chain and the creator of Lifesavers Candies. He paid $8 million for the network. That's a lot of Lifesavers.
2: It was recommended that the network change its name to something that began with the letter A, so it would always appear at the top of the alphabetic listings. After three years of transitioning away from the Blue Network, the American Broadcasting Company came into being in January 1946. Murder at Midnight started the same year, and on December 30th of 1946, the series presented this tale of forbidden secrets, The Kabbalah. It's
0: late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices.
3: Which way did he go? That way, down through the garden. The storm. It's so dark, you can't see. Dr. Rudd, there. There, at the bottom of the terrace. Professor Nabard. Nabard, why... Oh,
4: good Lord. What is it? He... He must have fallen down the steps, broken his neck.
5: He... He's dead. Uh... Midnight, the witching hour when the night is darkest, our fears the strongest, and our strength at its lowest ebb. Midnight, when the graves gape open, that death
6: strikes.
5: How? You'll learn the answer in just a minute in The Kabbalah. midnight tales of mystery and terror by radio's masters of the macabre our story by Robert Newman is the Kabbalah a rambling house on the outskirts of a small university town And in the house, a room that seems more like the cell of a medieval alchemist than the study of a college professor. Its walls lined with ancient volumes and astrolabes and other curious instruments. Bent over his desk, Dr. Rudd does not hear the knock on the door at first. But when it's repeated, he says, Come in.
7: Alan's going, Father. He wanted to say goodnight to you.
5: Oh, Yes, Alan. Good night.
3: I was terribly sorry to hear about the decision of the Board of Trustees, sir. I mean, they're refusing to give you a grant to go on with your research.
4: Oh, that. Well, it doesn't matter. I about decided to give up the whole project anyway. Your book? Yes.
7: Father, you're not serious. I I thought you were almost finished with it.
4: I am. All but the last chapter. I just can't seem to write that without additional research. And without the last chapter, I... The rest of the book
3: is meaningless. Oh, well, isn't there anyone you could talk to about it, sir? Anyone who could help you? I doubt it, Alan.
4: I think I know as much about the occult as anyone in the world, except perhaps one man.
7: Who is that, Father?
4: The man I studied under at the University of Paris. And I haven't heard from him in over ten years. I'm not even sure that he's still alive. <laughs> Too bad this is the 20th century, not the 12th.
3: How so, Dr. Rudd?
4: Oh, it would have been very simple then. A pentacle, a pair of corpse candles, and I could summon up someone who would make things very easy for me. Yes, right now I really believe I would sell my soul for the help I need.
7: Father, you mustn't say things like that, even as a Jew.
4: Well, you're right, Pabla. And no one knows it better than I. Well, good night, Alan.
3: See you in the morning. Right, Dr. Rod. Good night.
7: walk you down to the road, Alan.
3: Oh, fine, dear. Pretty depressed, isn't he?
7: Father? Yes. Not that I blame him. Four years' work. The definitive book on occultism, the supernatural. (gasps) Alan!
3: Yes, I see it, too. Someone or something lying in the road. Come on.
7: Dressed so strangely.
3: Looks like an Arab. Wonder what he's doing around here. Anyway, he seems in a bad way. Here, I'll carry him into the house. You run ahead and tell your father.
6: All
4: right. Here, Adam, in my study. All
3: right. put him on the couch. What's wrong with him? Well, it's hard to say, but I think it's just exhaustion. Oh. Hmm. Oh, his pulse is very weak. Barbara,
4: call Dr. Stevens.
7: Of course, Father. I... He's opening his eyes. Where? What is this place?
4: No, it's all right. You're among friends. We're sending for a doctor. A doctor? Oh, you're kind, but it's too late. Allah stretches his hand out for me.
3: Nonsense. All you need is some food, rest. No,
4: and... no. I, I'm
6: dying. But... If you are indeed friends, one last request. Will you grant it?
4: If we possibly can.
6: I am a Hajj, a Sufi.
4: I come of a long, ancient line. Will you see that I get proper burial? Oh, yes, of course. I have no gold
7: m- money. But. Uh, He's fainting. Lose this road, Alan.
5: Right. Mm.
3: Say, you've got something hidden here A parchment scroll right? Come
7: on, you, You've taken the cabal
3: It's all right
7: No, no, you must
6: not It's a curse Into the fire Destroy it If you use it Father
3: Yes
4: Yes, he's dead May his soul rest in peace.
3: You're very quiet tonight, Dr. Rudd. Thinking about the funeral? Huh? Our Arab friend. Oh, uh, yes, Alan. Partly.
4: And partly about
3: this. This
4: this parchment he had hidden in his room. It seems to be a form of the Kabbalah.
7: That's right. That's what he called it when he got so excited. Wanted you to destroy it. The Kabbalah is just the science of letters and numbers, isn't it?
5: Mm,
3: It's much more than that, Barbara. It's the science of the mystical attributes of letters and numbers. The basis for almost all occultism. But this system is different from me I ever saw before.
7: Different? How?
4: Oh. Well, this particular system tells how a question can be written out, the letters changed into numbers and manipulated. When the numbers are changed back into letters, they would answer the question.
3: Listen, Professor, what do you say we try it? Try it? Sure. Of course, it's a lot of nonsense, but, well, why not? Oh, well, all right. This paper and pencil's on my desk.
7: What are you going to ask, Father?
3: Oh, something simple, something we can check. Me, I'm going to ask something really practical. Okay, Professor, let's go.
7: How are you coming, Father? Almost
4: finished. Now, let's see... Sadek, Mem, Vav. Great Scott. What is it? Look at this. Here's my question. Will we have any visitors today? Uh And here's the answer. Two visitors. Professor Laborde and someone else.
7: Professor Laborde?
4: Do you remember my telling you yesterday that there was one person in the world who could give me the help I needed to finish my book? Yes, that man was Professor Bort.
7: Father, you you don't really believe it, do you?
4: I don't know. No, about...
3: I told you I haven't seen or heard from him in ten years. But just the same... Dr. Rudd, look. Hmm? Look here, I got something, too.
7: What is it, Alan?
3: Well, here's my question. How can the professor get the money to continue with his research? Yes. Here's the answer. Call Mark Endicott. What?
7: Of course. Oh, why don't you, Father... He's always been interested in you and your work.
4: Well, I just never thought of it. I'll go in and call him right away.
7: Well, Father, did you get him?
6: Yes.
4: Yes, it's... It's very
3: strange. In what way?
4: He said that he'd been thinking about me a good deal lately, and... He's driving out here this evening to see me.
7: There. That's the answer to your question. Two visitors. Professor Laborde and and someone else. Well, he must be the someone else. You think so? Oh, of course.
4: Somehow, I don't. What do you mean, sir? I don't know. Except that I don't like it. (laughs)
3: It's beginning to look as if our cabala's is a washout after all.
7: What makes you say that?
3: Well, 11 o'clock and no
7: sign of either Laborde
3: or Endicott. I can't understand it. Endicott
4: definitely said that he was driving out here and that he was leaving immediately.
7: He'd probably change his mind because of the storm. It's still pretty bad out, isn't it?
4: Yes, but it's not like him. You think he'd phone us and let us know? Oh, perhaps that's he now. Hello? Hello? Yes, this is Professor Rudd speaking. Who? Oh yes. What? But that's impossible. I spoke to him only a few hours ago, and why? Oh, I... I can't believe it. You're sure? I see. But thank you. Thank you very much. Goodbye.
7: Who was it, Father?
4: That was Mark Endicott's attorney. His attorney? What did he want? Mark Endicott was killed at about six o'clock this afternoon.
7: Killed?
4: On his way here an auto accident. His attorney called to tell me Endicott had left me a $5,000 bequest for research. What?
7: Father. The Kabbalah. It said you were to call him for the money to continue your work. It didn't actually say he was coming out here.
3: No. Wait a minute. I mean, you really
4: think. I don't know, Alan. But I do know that if I hadn't called him, he wouldn't have started driving here in the storm. He wouldn't have had the accident and been killed. And I probably wouldn't have gotten the money.
7: But, Father, if it's true, if it has some sort of supernatural power, what about Professor Laborde? It did say he was coming. No,
4: please, Barbara, I told you I don't know. Endicott was my friend. Now he's dead. Somehow I feel as if I.
7: Father, the door.
3: Yes. Yes, let's. let's see who it is. Mm. Great Scott, Professor. If it is Laborde, do you realize what this means? Yes, sir. If it is, are the things priceless? Absolutely priceless. Why, I hope. I beg your pardon. I'm sorry to trouble you. Oh, but... Come
4: in, Professor Laborde. Come in. We've been expecting you for some time now. <clears throat>
5: Ancient manuscript which can foretell the future, a dead man and a visitor from the dead, as the clock strikes twelve for
7: Murder
5: at midnight. Oh. To murder at midnight and the Kabbalah. It's just a moment or two later and Professor Laborde is being shown into Dr. Rudd's study.
6: In
4: here, Professor Laborde.
6: Barbara, will you take the professor's things?
7: Of course, Father. Thank
6: you, my dear. You're very kind. But there's something I do not understand, Dr. Rudd. When you opened the door, you said you had been expecting me. Since early this afternoon. But that is impossible. Completely impossible. I'm here entirely by accident. I had no idea you lived here or anywhere near here. I lost my way in the storm, eh, knocked at your particular door by chance to to ask for directions. Nevertheless, we've been expecting you.
4: Excuse me. How could you have been? Alan. Yes, sir? Show Professor Laborde the Kabbalah, will you, please? Right,
3: Professor. Here you are, sir.
6: Kabbalah.
4: Look at it, Professor. Tell me what you think of it.
6: Uh-huh. Interesting. Very interesting. Of course, I cannot be sure without examining it thoroughly. But it appears to be even older than the Black Grimoire. And its form resembles that of the Key of Solomon.
4: Professor Laborde, it's my belief that it is the
6: Key of Solomon. What? But it can't be. It's been written about for centuries, of course, mentioned in hundreds of works. From chrysmegistus down. But there's never been any proof that it ever actually existed. And still... Where did you get it? From an old Arab who
4: came here last night and died
3: here. The main thing is... We tested
4: it.
6: Tested it?
4: Yes, we asked two questions. The answer to one of them prophesied your coming here. And the other... Well, that came true,
6: too. But this is beyond words... If it's true, then it's the most priceless discovery that has ever... Professor Rudd, may I try it? Use it to ask a question to... Well, I... I don't know, Professor Laborde, I... Uh, please, for years now, ever since I began studying the supernatural, there's been something, one thing I've always said I give my very life to know. If it can tell me that, you must let me, Rudd. And... You must let me do it while I'm alone, well, all right, ah, good. come on,
4: Alan, Barbara. We'll wait outside.
6: Oh.
3: time is it now, Professor? It's
4: 20 hours.
3: Hmm. He's been at it for quite a while.
4: Yes. If he doesn't call us in another minute or two,
3: we'll go in.
7: I'm probably being very silly, but I don't like this, any of it.
4: Why not, Arthur?
7: I don't know, but... Oh, no, no. What's no. Professor Laborde. come on. No, no. I,
4: I... Professor Laborde, what is it? What's happened? What...
3: What are you doing? He's burning something in the fire.
7: My father, it's his hands. He's holding them in the fire, burning. Oh, great Please.
3: Scott, Professor Laborde, stop. stop! Stop! Have you gone mad?
7: Fire! Only
6: fire can burn my hands clean again. I asked. Now I must pay. Let me go! Let go! I'm coming. I'll pay. Professor Laborde, Come back! I'll pay. Quick, Alan! I'll pay. Okay. I'll pay.
3: Which way did he go? That way. Down through the garden. This stone. It's so dark you can't see. Dr. Rudd. There. There. At the bottom of the terrace.
6: Professor, the board. The board, why...
3: Oh. Oh, good Lord. Uh, what is it? He... Oh,
4: he must have fallen down the steps. Broken his neck. He... He's dead. All right. All right now, Alan. Put him down. gently. Yes, sir.
7: Father, are you sure
3: that... Yes, Barbara, I'm sure. He's dead.
7: But what made him do it? Go running out there that way?
3: It it must have been something to do with the Kabbalah. He was going to ask it a question. Yes, Alan, it has something to do with the Kabbalah.
7: And, And standing there with his hands in the fire, as if he were trying to burn them clean. Father... What was the question he asked? What answer did he get?
3: I think perhaps I can guess. The old Arab, he warned us, remember? He said it was accursed, evil. But if we use it... Wait a minute, Dr. Rudd. Hmm? The board said he'd give his life to know the answer to that question. And now he's dead. Yes,
4: Alan, that's what was in my mind, too.
3: That and one more thing. Do you
4: remember what I said just before you found the old Arab in the garden? That I'd make a pact with the devil, sell my very soul for the help I needed to finish my book?
7: No, Father, you're not serious. You don't mean you really believe it. I've
4: lived too long, my dear, seen too many strange things to disbelieve anything. If the Kabbalah is everything we think it is, if it is the key to the future, to all knowledge, if it can answer any question we put to it, then there are only two sources from which it can draw its power. One good and one evil.
3: And, and you think...
4: If God had wished us to be able to foresee the future, we should be able to foresee it. On the other hand, if it's evil, well, there's usually a penalty involved.
7: The board, he said something about paying, too. Who must be paid and how?
4: There's only one way to find out. Through the Kabbalah itself. Give it to me, Alan.
7: No, please no.
4: I'm sorry, Barbara, I must. There's no need for you to stay here. Or Alan.
7: No, father. We'll stay. Both of us.
4: Very well. Then here goes.
3: shivering, darling. Are you cold? Shall I build up the fire?
7: No, i not. I'm not cold. What was that?
3: It sounded like the outside door opening. Oh, I...
7: Father? Uh... Father, what is it? Are you finished?
3: Uh, yes.
4: Yes, I'm finished. And... and what? Look. Here's the question.
7: Who must be paid? And how?
3: And here's the answer. Turn around, and you will see.
7: Father, the door, the door behind us, it just opened.
4: Yes. I don't dare turn around. You needn't, right in front of you, there on the wall. Look.
7: Something black, like a stain, a block. But it's spreading, moving.
4: Like an octopus, or like... It's shadow.
3: It's... It's coming toward us.
4: What... What
3: in heaven's name is it?
4: Whatever it is, whatever happens to us, no one shall ever again be cursed as we've been cursed. The Kabara, give it to me.
7: Father, what are you doing? What
3: I should have done when I first saw it. Destroy it.
7: throw it into the fire.
3: It's coming closer. Closer. Professor, isn't there anything we can do? Anything that...
7: Father, look. The parchment burning. They are in the womb.
4: The shadow of the Andions. In the shape of the crooks on
3: The first cross. Good Lord. The shadow, it's wavering. Drawing back, retreating. I'm going to turn around see what... No, wait. Wait until...
6: All right. Now.
7: There's... There's nothing there.
6: Laborde? Laborde?
4: Dr. Laborde? Someone just
3: came in. Who's there? Who is that?
4: Oh, excuse me. I'm terribly sorry. I'm looking for someone. An old man with white hair and white beard. His name's... Holy smoke, there he is, Dr. Laborde. Dr. Laborde. I can't answer you. He's dead. Dead? Who are you, anyway? Well, an attendant at a private hospital in town. We've been taking care of him ever since he got to this country. Nervous breakdown. He disappeared this afternoon, and... He'd been talking about you so much lately that I had a hunch he might have come out here. Talking about about me? But he said he had no idea I lived here. Of course he knew. I
3: told you he wasn't right in the head. That was one of the signs.
7: Father, if it's true, if his mind was going, that would explain what he did. Burning his hands, running away like that.
3: You mean the Kabbalah didn't have any occult power? What about the money from Endicott?
7: Oh, just a coincidence.
3: And what just happened? That
4: shadow we saw on the wall?
7: Well, it was only a shadow. It could have been just our imagination.
4: Yes, Barbara, it could have been. But somehow, I don't think it was.
5: An old professor stands next to the body of his friend, staring at the fireplace where the secret of the ages has gone up in smoke as the clock strikes twelve for... Murder! Murder! me again when death whispers from the darkness in an unknown tongue, and the clocks strike twelve for Murder at Midnight. The part of Dr. Rudd was played by James Van Dyke. With music by Bert Berman, Murder at Midnight was directed by Anton M. Leader.
0: That was Murder at Midnight and the show The Kabbalah here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And that was brought to us by Tim. It was his choice this week. Tim. Forgive me. Have we done Murder at Midnight before? We have not, that I know. not know. I didn't think so. And I know we just did the intro and everything, but re- refresh me on the, the series and, and where it comes from and what's the history behind it. It has a list of notable writers, none of which I particularly recognized, which is a little embarrassing.
2: A list of notable actors, none of which I particularly recognized. Uh, Anton Leder was the director. Kind of the main thrust of this show was ABC wanted something to compete with... NBC, CBS, Mutual Broadcasting. I think Lights Out was
1: going on at the same time. There's just a lot of good shows out there in the 1940s. It's a great name. Yeah. It's a great opening. I really like the witching hour. When night is darkest, our fears are the strongest, our strength at its lowest ebb. I think it's a really great description of, of why these style of stories are so much more effective if you actually do listen to them yeah. at night in the dark. Strength at a lowest ebb. You're nodding off. You think you're comfortable. <laughs> <that. Right>. Horror! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Everything it does, is far more believable. It does have uh, what I call now in our podcast the Bane of Joshua. Yes. They preview... A scene, a pivotal scene, before Mm -hmm. getting into the the main part. And again, there's no point in it. I guess, other than to hook you into listening for that night, but does that really work when you're like, well, I know what happens now. He's going to (laughs) fall down the stairs and break his neck. That's how they all talked.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's because you don't know who any of these characters are in audio form yet, so it's not that exciting, but as you go on listening to the story, and you figure out who's who, all it does is give away something that's going to happen without really providing you that much excitement at the top. Because these are just random voices saying, oh, no, someone's going to die. And it's like, I assume so on Murder (laughs) at Midnight. (laughs) Where did it happen? (laughs) Let's hope so. But, yeah, it's a popular structure with some of these old radio shows. That
0: annoys me. Uh, Tim, how many Murder at Midnights did you listen to? Just this one? I or? think
2: just this one. It caught my eye because uh, I have a, since I was a young teenager, an interest in the Kabbalah. Uh, I'm a little hesitant to say because it's kind of cliche. It's also
0: something that gets you sent home now. <laughs> like Not from the podcast, I have to go now? <laughs> well, like if you're in school and you're cutting, you know, you get home. <laughs> an interest in the Kabbalah, that's up there. And they'd send you home now. You, yes. And make um, you wear a helmet.
2: <laughs> because I thought it would be an opportunity for me to push my glasses up the bridge of my nose and talk a little bit about the Kabbalah.
0: Well, please do, because I knew nothing about it. And I heard this episode, and uh, I said, I'm going to do some research on this. And I said, why would I do that (laughs) when Tim's going to tell me all about it? Originally,
2: the Kabbalah was a Jewish system of mysticism. One of its core features is gematria, gematria, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, well, I'm sure one of those two is right. You keep um,
1: pronouncing things. Got to be right <laughs> the odds yeah. are good. <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> uh, that specifically is each Hebrew letter has a number that corresponds to it, or in some cases, a different number for it's at the end of a word, and that two words that their corresponding numbers are equal, it's supposed to imply a connection between those two words. Ah. So, like, if you get the word for bird and the word for sink and they add up, you know that, ah, there is some heavenly connection between birds and sinks. That's yeah. not a great example. <laughs> it's called a bird bath. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, as time went on in the late uh, 19th century, this system became sort of mixed in by occultists and Golden Dawn, and they mixed it into alchemy and astrology and meditation and yoga, and they just smooshed it all together into a a massive belief system that still is called Kabbalah. Um, that mostly works on a system of connections. So conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was my way into, I have to read all about this because I love conspiracy theories. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when did this all Kabbalah, this meshing of all of this mystic, when, you said the late 1800s or uh, so? The
2: Golden Dawn, which was a little bit born out of Madame Blavatsky, um, but it's really, Golden Dawn is the same organization that Aleister Crowley came through. Mm. Uh, it's one of the central cores of their teaching is learning all these attributions of this letter refers to, this zodiac
0: sign refers to, this tarot card, and on and on and on. Now, they made it sound like in this episode that this was a 2,000-year-old thing, the Kabbalah from the Egypt.
2: original not adding astrology and alchemy and all that other
0: stuff. Yes. Hebrew. Originally. Hebrew, not Egyptian. Well, the Solomon connection is the key of Solomon, yeah. In in this story, the idea is that you're assigning uh, numbers to words, and you ask it a question, and then when you redo them and bring them back, they say something else? Yes, (laughs) that is abstracting it.
1: (laughs) But that's the great thing, because it's become this sort of catch-all. So for fiction writers, you just kind of go, the Kabbalah, ooh, mysterious, and then make up your own rules, like they kind of did. Yes, yeah.
0: And the Kabbalah itself is a piece of literature or a book... Or is it just the name of the thought process? Just the collection of beliefs, I think, yeah. It's because they made it also sound like the Kabbalah was a thing. He's holding the Kabbalah, you know, like the Bible or so you know, like yeah, he's holding yeah. a thing. I
1: think it was
2: like a parchment with the, some yes, the thank key you. of Solomon. A lot of history. So uh. that's why I wanted to do
1: this so I can go now. <laughs> so thank you, everybody. That's all the time we have. <laughs>
0: And you were attracted to the Kabbalah stuff because... Uh, Lonely.
2: (laughs) Disconnected from fears. I I got hooked on Robert Anton Wilson and Robert Shea's book, The Illuminatus Trilogy, and I became a big fan of uh, Robert Anton Wilson, and that was a gateway drug to read other stuff.
0: I have no idea what you just said. (laughs)
2: Every once in a while, uh, I'm like uh, nodding other references that other people make, and this is my time to make references. Like This is a thing that maybe three of people who are listening know. That's awesome!
0: (laughs) Everyone else is just, please talk about the actual radio thing. (laughs) All right. How did this play out for you, then? Did you like
2: it? I loved it. There was the uh, mysterious traveling Arab man who has this lost knowledge, and... Part of the appeal is just knowing this is
0: what made it so dangerous. Right. Just even having that information. Does anybody have any idea where, where they were? Was it ever referenced like they're in Ohio or where they are? I don't remember them they, saying They just said a university town, I think. Yeah. yeah. This is one small, tiny thing. What's the Arab man doing here, and how did he get there? And but that's part of the mystery. (laughs) I'm laughing because they don't see how frustrated you just got with me. (laughs) (laughs) He just shook his head and went, "Oh my god, (laughs) that's part of the mystery." All right, I'll take that. This just shows up, but they weren't that freaked out. Like, what's an Arab guy doing here? And yeah, are we university. allowed to say they Arab guy? They just
1: weren't and- racist. It so. <laughs> <laughs> is troubling. You're right. That's not realistic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's I said university it was a- town. People come
2: and go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And, you know, it's probably something Tim and I like gloss past because it right. is a cliche of this genre, too. The mad Arab, you know, yeah. it's the H.P. Lovecraft type of thing. And, mm-hmm. and this foreigner who usually is like this canary in the coal mine, right, right. who's yeah. already gone farther down this dark path than the protagonist you're following. And it's this warning sign that they, of course, do not heed.
0: <laughs> right. So I don't have a lot of notes. Here's why. I really loved this so much. I enjoyed pretty much every aspect of this whole thing I love the story I didn't even know what a Kabbalah was uh, <laughs> but it's good with cream cheese I, <laughs> I, I don't know all these things you guys are saying it, this was a really great story and it had its terrifying moments I loved that moment when he says it says turn around
1: yeah, uh, yeah and the conclusion say, is
0: really good yeah.
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> and they're was, too frightened to turn
0: around and they yeah. see the
1: shadow on the wall yep. uh,
0: Is this typical of Murder at Midnight? Should we delve into some more?
1: They range, the ones I've heard, from very traditional horror stories to some slightly less Mm -hmm. conventional. But they're really solidly directed like this. They're just really well produced.
0: Well, I can't wait to listen to more. All right, well, thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Joshua, I'm sure you have some insight to some things. My favorite thing
1: about it was the end. Because yeah. a lot of these shows promise this ominous thing that's going to come for them. And I felt like this really paid off. And again, in audio where you can't see things, anytime you can find a way in radio to make the protagonists unable to see something always makes you identify with the situation as someone who just has to imagine it. So mm-hmm. the whole climax is great. I felt like they got greedy and tried to get a twist out of it that they didn't need Mm -mm. with that tacked-on revelation that um, the French guy was a lunatic and had escaped. And it was like, well, it's not really a twist because we know some creature just (laughs) appeared to them and it doesn't matter. Maybe he was a lunatic, maybe he wasn't. So it didn't really serve as a button.
0: Here's what I think that serves, though. You know, right up until that point, we were just dealing with something supernatural and it was cool. What they tried to do at that point is tell us Or was it? I mean, that's the whole point of maybe those shadows on the wall were just shadows and maybe Mm -hmm. this was this. And he was a lunatic. It was our minds playing tricks on us. So that open ended. Are you arguing in favor of an ambiguous ending? (laughs) Huh. (laughs) Kind of was, wasn't it? Uh, Here's why. Because they don't say, oh, we explained it all away. You know, that will happen frequently when you introduce supernatural things into a detective story, say. Mm -hmm. You'll find that rational explanation for everything. They didn't say in this, oh, well, obviously there's a rational explanation for everything. They said, ah, there's a possibility that it might have been this and it might have been that. And I I was actually, yeah, you're right. I was okay with it. I enjoyed this a lot. Um, but I think Josh was right that you could have taken that out, and I would have been just as happy uh, if, if it was just all supernatural and scary.
1: In yeah. The specificity of that supernatural encounter at the end just sort of undermines the idea that it was a group hallucination, because mm-hmm. they hear the door open, there's a shadow on the wall, they burn the Kabbalah pages, and it takes the shape of a cross. It's like it's a really specific group hallucination. <laughs> right. It's not
0: just sounds in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, also, there is a reference to the Crux on Santa, which I loved because I wrote in my own uh, radio show, The Shades Brigade, there's a huge portion of those stories that I wrote that revolve around the Crux on Santa. I don't know the Crux on Santa. Yes, Uh, but they say it. The shadows look like a Crux on Santa Mm -hmm. or something like that. And they say the first cross. Yeah, and basically it's the idea of that it can give you everlasting life. In some fiction, it is uh, treated as an actual piece that you put on someone, and it can revive the dead. Of course, just like the uh, the guala, you know, the fiction writers can have as much fun with it as they want, but it's uh, Egyptian, I believe, in its origin, the Crux on Santa. Oh. I'm, but maybe I'm wrong on that. The histories of these cultures are very intertwined.
2: Yes. Yes. Uh, what other thoughts do we have? Another just great, creepy moment was the guy trying to burn his hands pure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Here's was the really question creepy. it <laughs> was don't um. find me washing my hands in the fire.
0: So was the question that the crazy professor asked the same as the question that the other professor asked? We know that the other professor asked, who must be paid and how, right? Wasn't that the question he asked?
2: That was the one that the
0: professor who showed up, the uh, the French professor, asked. Yes. So that is the question, who must be paid and how. And the answer was, turn around and you will see. Yes. So when they go down in there after his hands, he puts them in the fire and runs out and dies, Mm -hmm. they're reading his question and then get the answer. So here we go. Time for me to be dumb. What is that question about? Who must be paid and how? I was a little disappointed at the question. It's like, (laughs) who shot Kennedy? I (laughs)
1: assumed that he was asking For power and the implied statement of that whether it be some immortality some supernatural knowledge it was just that question if I am to gain these things from the Ah. Kabbalah what do I have to pay with and who do I have to pay it to and it's clearly this mysterious figure that comes in um, the door behind them and I assume that he had some encounter with that person unseen alone in the library and afterwards is when he was burning his
0: hands. Right and we don't really know why he felt the need to cleanse his hands it's all just up to our imagination. Because I think he
1: realized who he had to pay and he wanted no part of it. I think right. it was
0: sort yeah. of, think The idea was he had
1: touched the...
2: burn burned, damn
0: spot. <laughs> the other professor that was writing the book at the beginning... Dr. Is that Rudd. The, yeah, is that the same question then? That no, he, he'd asked a pretty simple, straightforward question. Yeah. Who, who will, shot Kennedy?
1: Who, yeah. yeah, who will be visiting today. Yeah. yeah. We, oh, I mean, right. I'd like to know that No, someday. I knew that from <laughs> earlier. No, I'm talking
0: about the question... Didn't he have a question he wanted to ask to finish his chapter of the book? He needed money Right. For the research
1: right. to finish this last chapter. We don't know what that was. And maybe it was to get in contact with these people and get more information about the Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. Um but then it's his um son in law or <laughs> the you know, guy the, staying with him. The, the guy, the vague <laughs> heroic guy character asks the really practical question, like you're saying, is like, Well, hey, how would you get this money? And I do like that because That is the fastest probate ever. That guy like dies a couple hours later and he gets a call. He's like, you got some money coming your way. His body isn't even cold.
0: Yeah, I can't wait for that day. Somebody please. Um, All right, are we ready to vote? I'm trying to remember if there's any other little details that stuck out to me. It
1: had little shades of the monkey's paw to it, I think. Very much so, yeah. That's what it reminded me of. You didn't read that in school? It's like the classic like first horror story anyone makes you read, right? Yes, you're nodding and
0: <laughs> you no, know, I don't know what. No, I'm tired of looking dumb tonight. <laughs> Eric's like just bobbing his head. I've heard of the monkey's paw. I don't okay. remember it. I read Lord of the Flies. Remember that? This has nothing to do with. it. <laughs> no, I know. Flies. I'm just trying to. <laughs> Madam, they made me read Madame Bovary. That's why I don't no, read it it's, anymore. It's a lot like Madame Bovary. Is it good? Yeah. She Fearing... burns
1: something different in the fire, but it's. <laughs> it's <fine. laughs>
0: I'll start it. All right. Not only does it stand the test of time. It's pretty close to classic for me, I, just because it has all the elements of everything that I love. I thought it was really well done, well acted, well performed, fully, uh, the storyline was outstanding and moved. I liked everything about it. So thank you, Tim. Oh, it was I great.
2: It. Uh, I really liked it as well. Um, I think what Joshua said about the solid directing on this series really showed here that, If it was not produced as well as it was, it might have faltered. Mm -hmm. Uh, The story by itself probably has some creakiness and some holes in it, but the direction was so strong that it it just carried it.
1: Yeah, I I definitely think it stands the test of time. I think if it has any failing, it is a little bit of creakiness at the beginning that these type of stories often have where they feel they have to put all the exposition in the first three minutes. But at the same time, we don't get to learn much about these characters and really care about them. And I know it's, it's true. a, a half-hour old-time radio show, but a little more character would help you invest. But again, mm-hmm. the just really strong direction, and then once the mysteries and horrors of the story kick in, you don't care. Because then the story <laughs> doesn't become about these three characters. It just becomes about the mystery mm-hmm. of
0: what's going on. And I'm also a sucker for historical significance uh, intertwined into a story. Mm-hmm. It's why I love the Indiana Jones movies and the you know, Ark of the Covenant and all of that. And I loved that they had this piece of parchment from something that was ancient that they shouldn't say out loud or ask yeah. it questions. I, I'm a sucker for that stuff. And I love it very much. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, Tim, please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. You'll find other episodes of this
2: podcast. You'll find information about our live shows. You'll find ways to contact us via social media Facebook, Instagram or if you just want to contact us through the webpage, that works too. You'll also find a link to our Threadless page where you can buy swag, t-shirts, whatnot,
1: buy a whatnot. <laughs> 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 also, if you are interested, you can go to patreon.com slash the morals and become a member of the mysterious old radio listening society by supporting the podcast. We've got some great rewards. We've got membership cards. We've got buttons. We've got a members only monthly podcast, the secrets of the mysterious old radio. So, uh, check that out if you're interested. It's fun. Also, uh, go to iTunes and write a review, because we like those as well, because I'm going to start trying to figure out the numerology involved in these (laughs) reviews. (laughs) I'm going to apply some of this new Kabbalah knowledge and figure out what's going on. (laughs) Who must I pay?
6: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <reviews>. <laughs>
1: can you just go there and write a review That says don't turn around five stars. I
5: hope so happy.
1: <laughs> Somebody do that
0: Next time Joshua is going to be doing A listener request Something from Ray Bradbury 13 Called The Ravine Until then Look out! Mr. Owl, How can the professor get the money to continue with his research A good question
3: Let's find out Here's the answer Sorry.